yeah. What is <laughs> for everybody? Well, let me say really quick. If we if I get dropped out, I'm going to. Uh, oh, we're already live. You didn't. We're already live. You've been here for nine seconds, man. <laughs> Welcome say, to if talk. I get dropped out. <laughs> Is that the intro you use every night? Yeah, that's the intro we use every night. You're kind of like our cover <laughs> model to Doc Talk. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Uh, I'm just um, gonna play the intro to my show. Hell, send it over. I'll play everybody's <laughs> intro. That, <laughs> so, that's a song anyway. that you can't you can't get that out of your head. The, the intro to the gym show. That song is very catchy. It is. Thank I you, mean, Brock Seaman. It's all a piece of art, and you know we got we got modeling agents uh, going on, Jackson Kayak modeling agents. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just what it is. Everybody, welcome back to Doc Talk. I am your host. These guys are your host. Um, let's go around the room and get started here. Um, I'll let each one of you introduce yourself, tell a little bit about yourself um, to those who may not know who you are, and we will start with Michael. Oh, on the hot seat. Yep. Uh, uh, Mike Fiorenza and the Texas coast. I've actually fished freshwater and saltwater, uh, primarily saltwater, but I, I live right next to a freshwater lake and Lake Conroe is 15 minutes from my house. And within an hour and a half, I've got five different lakes to strike. So uh, there's a lot of water to get out there and go do um, just fish and fish and fish. So um Primarily Galveston, Freeport area, but I also head down south towards uh, uh, Dustin. Dustin's area, his tournament uh, partner, Redfish tournament partner, and uh, fish all the way down to the coastal bend. Very nice, very nice. Leads us to. I'm gonna let Jim go next. Okay, well, I'm I feel gonna... that's appropriate. No, he is playing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Michael on the screen? Uh, <laughs> Gotta have my intro music. <laughs> that would be uh, Brock Zeman. Anybody interested in the uh, intro to the guy fishing show? Uh... <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, Jim Sammons, kayak fishing show host for 13 years. Uh, been kayak fishing since the late 80s, guiding since the early 90s. Not really guiding much anymore, but uh, lucky enough to have been uh, kayak fish all over the world and uh, have a love doing it. You know, <laughs> caught a lot of big fish, had a lot of firsts, first marlin off a kayak. Um, yeah, just been doing it a long time. You do it a long time and you're on the water a lot, you get lucky a lot. So, yeah, I got a lot of records and stuff that at least were records at one time. I don't even know anymore. I don't pay much attention, but uh, yeah. 
A man of many accolades, as we will call you. Uh, just just old. <laughs> just old. Well, doing it a long a, time. Age before thought age before beauty. Yeah. Our cover model for the uh, Doc Talk program. One Mr. Jameson Redding. Before you like Jim, you, you said you got the first Marlin, but how many Marlin? How many billfish? I'll, I'll say billfish. How many billfish do you think you caught from a kayak? Well, I, I, as a guide, you know, I've had my hand on the bill of over 50 billfish on my kayak. Um, how many of those were personal fish was probably about 18. But uh, I tell you what, the, the scarier part is always the landing it, the billing yeah. it, you know, because we don't pull it up the side and say, oh, it's a catch. No, for us, it was always grab it by the bill, pull it over Not our lap. Like musky. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So just for perspective, you know, there, there's just not that many people that have even landed a billfish, you know, much less right. a marlin, much less, you know, a larger or, or big, good size marlin, you know, from a kayak. But I haven't. Yeah. I haven't even, uh, do I, that I know of, I may have hooked a sailfish in Florida during the sailfish tournament for a few seconds. Not sure what it was. Didn't get to see it, but that's probably the closest I've ever cut, came to landing a billfish in a kayak. So I just always find that really impressive. And just the thought of even dealing with something like that uh, before we started, Michael was talking about it being a, a, uh, a bobber sitting out there when you're offshore fishing in a kayak. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're sitting there dealing with fish that, you know, can stab you, can, can hurt. You. Uh, and, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, we've got, I've got a lot of big tarpon too, even though I'm in San Diego. I mean, I've just in my travels, got a lot of big tarpon and, and they're super exciting, but, they don't have a three foot spear on the end of their face, you know, and that's, that's the sketchy part is dealing with one of those. And I mean, I had one jump right over the back of my kayak. I had one in my hand that it flexed and it was totally my fault. And it was in the learning process of how to land these things. And as I brought it up, it came and just slammed to the side of my kayak and it's bill literally went like right across the front of my face. And I got slammed into my buddy it was his fish. I was helping land it and I got slammed into him or, or I would have gone in the water. But I mean, the bill literally, we had video of it and the bill was just like, yeah. so yeah, they're, they're so, scary. I'm Jameson Redding. Not that cool. Um, so <laughs> I'm not cool. the billfish guy. But you uh, have your own manic. intro music. Should I, well, I mean, yeah, you should. You should. Uh, <laughs> it's only right. I don't, it, I don't have it like queued up, so I need, I give me a minute while I while I talk uh, talk for a second. Um, but yeah, so I'm brand manager, right? Brand manager over at Jackson Kayak um, and host of the new show Road Trip Angler. Um, so really exciting stuff there, and had a really good time the first season. We just did four episodes, but we're already talking about season two here and getting the plans together. So yep, super and, um, cool. The first four I'm episodes looking. were Delaware pedal, Del- Delaware pedal, paddle sports, <laughs> um, OKC, Roy's bait and tackle, and then Caney Fork down in uh, ten- lovely Tennessee. That's right. Here we go. I you guys can hear that. Oh, yours is Adam, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. freestyle fisherman. He's from down your way, Mike. Yep. Really good guy. Really good dude. 
Yeah, if you don't know who Adam J is or the freestyle fisherman, definitely look him up. I mean, he's just got some amazing music, but a lot of it is about our lifestyle and fishing and just being on the water. And um, yeah, he's just a good dude. All together. Super, super solid guy. So as we move forward here, one of the things that we like to do on Doc Talk is uh, we like to have you guys tell us a little bit about the boats that you guys are currently fishing in or would like to be fishing in, in Jim's case. Um, <laughs> I will. It doesn't matter who goes first and just kind of walk us through your boat. Tell us a little bit about it and uh, the Jackson kayak that you guys are using out on the water. Michael, go. <laughs> Yeah, Michael, go. So uh, I, I, I'm I'm Mike Fiorenza, and I have a kayak problem. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've got a Kraken 15.5, which is never leaving the stable. Uh, two to four teams. I've got my 22 team boat is the UPIC, and then I have my 21 Kusa FD. So I've kind of got it all kind of covered, and I run a Torquedo 403 and 1103. Um, but guiding, I put clients on paddle boats. So we're out there on the Kudas, and I'm basically running the U-Pick and with the motor so that I can recover or chase if I have to. Um, but uh, getting if it's only one client, I'll go out and paddle. I still love paddling. Um, it's it is still my favorite way to fish eight inch of the water with white fish backs out of the water and chasing up on the bank. Uh, that is absolutely my, my way of fishing. Uh, it also is a very muddy and dirty way of fishing. Uh, and I think the dirtier you get, the more fun you have. So we don't get real dirty where I am. Water's too, too deep. <laughs> yep. uh, well, uh, of course my still, my number one boat is the Kraken. Um, and that's my favorite, as you were saying, I mean, I love to paddle, uh, right now I cannot paddle. Um, so I am running a 22 foot defiance pilot house, uh, as my boat. Um, I've got, uh, <laughs> the new NAR sitting in my front yard with a skeleton on it as a decoration for Halloween. So really looking forward actually to having that thing out on the water because my one time test pedaling it it uh it, it was so much such a vast improvement over the old ones the most fun boat at least the one as far as that i've spent the most time in for the last couple of years has been the blue sky i love fishing out of the blue sky i mean it is just fun it's comfortable uh for my bad back being able to sit like in, basically in a chair i'm sitting in right now and pivot and stand up and and sight cast I love the uh, the blue sky, and I just recently put a uh, I had dual Torquedo 403s on it, which was was really cool, but it didn't function very well. It didn't steer very well, so I recently put a single centerline 1103 on it, and then I will still control it with the rudder. Um, and that thing now turns on a dime and it motors it's it's super fun so i can't wait to actually be able to spend a little bit more time on that uh because i've always loved the uh i mean i've done so much fishing with jameson on the blue sky down in louisiana and it is the perfect boat for that i think the only thing that would be better than that is to actually have a really skinny water flats boat but other than that 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 blue sky kicks butt in that environment yeah for sure yeah i think it i'm i'm 
kind of like Mike, I think I have a problem as well. And, and kayaks are kind of like <laughs> golf clubs. And I don't golf, but I at least know that you do need different clubs for different situations while you're out on the course. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with the kayak. And, and so uh, right now in my driveway, I have a Take Two with the 1103 on it. I've really enjoyed that platform as a motorized solo platform this year. We've also used it as a camera boat quite a bit because it's just so stable and does really well with that uh, 1103 Torquedo. Um, I have the NAR. Um, from a pedal standpoint, that boat is fast. Uh, of course, um, the whole team, Jim, was a part of it, but we had a whole bunch of input from our team at Jackson on that boat. So it's been really cool um, to, to get that boat launched and, and get it out there and feel the difference in the new drive and just the fishability of that boat. Uh, Michael, you were there when we uh, kind of got to put them on the water for the first time, actually. Um, it was down in Texas and we were uh, down there with Dustin and, and Michael and a few others. And so that's been a really cool boat for me. And then I've got a couple of Kilroys um, out there right now in the driveway. And I use those as my lightweight throw around. Just, you know, it's a, I can throw that thing on my shoulder um, and carry it down to the water. It's just one, the lightest boat really that we've ever made um for fishing and so it's a it's a very versatile boat for me and uh, we don't have it in the line we had it in the line last year as a limited run because sit-in sides typically don't sell as well but um, it's kind of like paddle boats now paddle kayaks versus uh pedals it's just been the evolution but uh there's definitely a place for just about every boat that that jackson makes if you know where to use it and find the right yeah. one for sure different tools for different jobs and that's why it, it is cool to have different boats and uh that's why I've, I've enjoyed in my travels you know because i'm always going with somebody's different we'll always have a different boat there so i've fished off pretty much everything jackson makes and a lot of other stuff and uh it, it, it definitely is different tools for for different jobs and as i always say sure. it's like you know don't tell me how to have fun you know it's just like this is what's working in this day yeah i'm throwing a motor on it and i'm having a blast well it's not pure kayak fishing i don't care i'm having fun you see the smile on my face I'm having fun. <laughs> i think, I think we've left kayaks. Well, we, the hey. traditional definition of a kayak that we've left that kind of in the in the no, dust. So. i mean at this point yeah, yeah it's 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 um, safe to it, say for sure well, I, I don't talking, know for you guys go ahead Jim. yeah i was just i was talking to the um the first rep for ocean kayak, my buddy, Mark Olson. And we were talking about the old days and uh, the, the old scupper pro. And, you know, that was what I really fished off the most. I sort of caught my first Marlin off and people wouldn't even think of using that thing now. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not user-friendly, it's not stable, but it paddled like a dream. But the funny thing was, is back then, and again, I'm old. So um, back then, <laughs> It was, it was those, or a lot of guys were, you know, still in touring boats and they're like, Oh, I love the scupper pro, but it's so heavy. And it was like 50 pounds. It's like, ah, oh, it's so heavy. It's like, and everything has just gotten heavier and heavier and heavier since then. It's like, man, I would love to go back to those days of having a super, like, I'd love to have a Kraken that was like carbon fiber. I mean, it would just be awesome. <laughs> Because lightness, lightness is, uh, as I'm getting older, believe me, man, I, I, picking up these boats gets tougher and tougher. Bad no, shoulder, I mean, bad back. You start doesn't. having to have trailers and stuff like that to, to make it, make it yeah. easier, you know, for sure. It does. And, and that's one of the things, I mean, you know, 
to talk about for what you guys do when we go as kayak fishermen, we hit the hit the boat ramp or the launch or wherever we're at. How much time on average are you guys taking to set up to get out there? I'm no Jim Jameson, obviously probably longer than me and Michael since you guys got TV shows, but on average, about how long does it take to uh, get everything set up? Well, if I'm just going fishing by myself, and I'm not having to worry about it. Um, and not, not that long because I do have a trailer. So my boat can be fully rigged on the trailer and I just slide it off onto the sand and then drag it out into the water. So it, it's, it's a pretty uh, short setup. And the boats, I mean, and that's one thing. Talk about the old boat. Well, now the new boats are just so much easier to rig. You know, the rigging possibilities and solutions and ease is just i mean that's the thing that has progressed as much as anything in these boats is is the rigging possibilities and thanks to companies like yak attack who are making you know all these rigging solutions so much easier you know back in the day i was making rod holders i used to make rod holders and sell rod holders to kayak fishermen that was one of the products i made i made bait tanks i made game bags because it was such a small market just a few people you know um and there was no company making stuff for kayaks. Do you and guys now, miss the PVC rigging days? I don't know. Like for me, I, so thinking back, you know, talking about that, I think I came in right as it was starting to transition. I think I don't even think the busy carbon flag, which is the first product Yakatech came out with, was out yet. Scotty was kind of the still one of the major yeah. players and accessories when I kind of got in. And uh, Ram was not really in the kayak space, but a little bit maybe starting to get in there. And so, um, but I remember making a camera hole um, and I had, I, I didn't have a GoPro. GoPro wasn't out yet, but um, Kodak made a play sport that was a, a portable, um, sim similar to a GoPro in the sense it was waterproof, portable camera. Um, and I wanted to mount that thing and capture some of, some of the stuff that we were doing. And so I painters pull several pieces of PVC with bolts through it. So you could articulate the different angles that you wanted on the end of it. And I, I kind of sometimes miss those days. Of course, it was simpler back then. I didn't work in the industry. I didn't, I didn't need to film everything or, or do it for the show. Um, so there was times when it was like, well, I can't go fishing. So let me go set up and and rig on the boat right. or rig on this or whatever and and get innovative with coming up with ways to do it i think one of my first kayaks was a commander 120 from wilderness systems which is a very open cockpit almost canoe kayak hybrid and i had that yeah. thing just i mean rigged i had two two deep cycle batteries i had a, a, a mincota motor i had chopped down and um i think the 403 was out but there wasn't really a lot of motor options and I had rigged it with foot control steering and had a switch where I could turn the front battery from the back battery. And I think that boat set about that far above the water. Um, once I had the motor and the two batteries and myself and everything else in it. And, uh, you know, but that, and that was part of it, but then I went down that path and then kind of flip flopped and got a Kusa when it came out and, and it was like super simple. Like I didn't want all that stuff anymore. I was like kind of over it for a minute. Um, with all the rigging. And I think now I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, and I think boats being easier to rig makes it easier to want to add some things to it or put you right. know, motors or, or whatnot. But for me, getting on the water, it really depends on what I'm doing. Uh, with the traveling that we do and fishing new locations, I'm, I'm very bad at, and I don't know if it's bad or good, but I don't like tying on baits the night before 
I like to kind of see, get there, see the conditions, see the water, because what will end up happening is I will inevitably town all these things and then get there and the water clarity is different or the wind's different. Um, and then I'm just like cutting stuff off and changing because I know I won't have the confidence that I would have. if I. And that's where my time gets spent. You know, if it's somewhere that I know and I know the conditions like around the house, I get pretty much everything ready to go and hit the water really quick. When I'm traveling, might as well plan on me spending the first 30 minutes retiring oh, yeah. everything. everything yeah, on, a, on a shoot. Yeah, it's totally yeah. different. I mean, it's, yeah. you're going to no hurry. Case, just and just get over the fact that you're in a hurry. Yeah, for 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 me, I I you know launching a boat, so I've got a flats boat, and uh, you know I've learned the the courtesy on both ends of this, right? Uh, Launch the boat fast, get out of the way. Same thing with the kayak. Launch the kayak fast, get out of the way. Do all your rigging away from the ramp or away from the launch. Uh, Very good advice. Very different avenues though here uh, you know going out and fishing for fun i like simple two rods a waiting box a paddle and a kayak i'm out light i'm out fast i'm in and out of the water that we're going um tournament fishing is an entirely different animal and redfish tournament fishing on the gulf coast down here has really ramped up in the kayak scene uh you know i, I we have live wells on our kayaks uh so you're rigging a motor and a live well on the, on the kayak. So like on my, on my crack and I run the live well in the back and the, and the Torquedo 403. And by the time you get it all rigged up and wheeled down to the water, you have to float the boat in order to get the wheels out from under it because there's just so much weight on this, <laughs> you know, and that's entirely different than just going out and out the back of a truck into a ditch with two fishing rods and going fishing. So mm-hmm. and it, there's two different, you, you gotta be efficient both ways. Yeah, and, and for like for us, like if I'm going here in San Diego, launch from the beach in La Jolla, um, people are like, why do you bring so many rods? I mean, I literally I'll bring five, six rods, just like a basket. But the main thing for us is, you know, I got a, a rod for catching bait. I don't want to retie, so I have everything set. So I've got a, a rod for catching bait. I got a maybe one or two rods set up for trolling. And then I have a rod for throwing iron and then I got a rod for throwing soft plastics. And then I might have another rod for vertical jigging. And it's just like, boom, that way it's always, cause you don't know. I might, I might go out, be going out for yellowtail or big game offshore outside the kelp and say, like, ah, the wind came in, come into the kelp. And now you're switching up and you're throwing soft plastics for calico bass or you're, you're bounce balling for halibut or something. So it's, it's like, I just, bring a lot of stuff <laughs> I, I bring too much stuff that, that just speaks to the salt water right there i mean i can tell you how many times i've been offshore like even in pensacola in the gulf or whatever and you're just not prepared for what you might see like i've been sitting there and like fintuna come by in a pod and they're jumping out of the water everywhere and you're just like ah, uh, you don't know what to throw because you're not thinking about that you know we're we're trolling for kings we're not you know ready for that so the next time you come out, you're bringing a rod, like just in case I want to have a rod ready to cast, you know, something at that. Um, or like we had tarpon come through one day when we were sitting making bait in the right past the uh, surf. Bart Swab uh, was out there. This is when the Kusa FD first came out and we had the prototype drives. And, you know, you guys talked about them being better now than they were then. Well, the prototypes were a step even further back this is like original <laughs> flex drive prototypes and um, we were identifying issues as all i'll say anyway we we're not thinking about tarpon and here comes a 
a whole bunch of uh, a tarpon coming through. And, you know, we just made do with what we had, but you kind of start like want to be prepared for whatever happens offshore. And I think that's when you're talking about saltwater kind of come at full circle. Um, I just can't tell you how many times I've been even inshore and just like not like seeing something totally off the wall. Like you're fishing for reds. Here comes a big school of giant Jack Kerville. And you're just like, well, I'm going to throw something at them because that looks fun. You know, it's like you don't have that happen when you're bass fishing. Like it's bass. Well, and that's what and, and the beauty, <laughs> the beauty of the kayak, which should never be undersold, is you could be throwing bass here and have a big fish go by and you can still throw at it with confidence with a bass rod because you know you're just going to get dragged and right. i mean i've landed i mean i've got some some line class stuff i i got a 68 pound thresher shark on six pound test you know it on my kayak because and i used to tell people all the time with that is like hook six pound test way over there and pull on it now i'm not saying snap it but you just put a bend in your rod get yourself and you can pull your kayak with six pound test no problem. Snag 20 pound test, particularly like mono snag 20 pound test on the bottom and try to break it. I mean, uh. it's next to impossible. You're never putting as much pressure on that as you think you are, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, you always have that chance. I landed a yellowtail out at Cedros. I landed a yellowtail in about three feet of water. All of a sudden, like you said, you know, we're fishing calico bass. And these yellowtail just came crashing on a school of bait right up against the island, like where they shouldn't be. I got my bass rod through it and I landed a 28 pound yellowtail on my little bass rod. Five minutes after I landed that one, another yellowtail hit my heavy trolling rod. I couldn't land it. It, it broke me off <laughs> because I was pulling so much harder, you know, and trying to make sure I could muscle it in. It breaks me off. But the one on my little bass rod that I was being just super careful with and let it drag me around. I landed. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good topic really to get into, you know, for kayak fishing is, is rods um, and the different types of rods that are out there. Sometimes like you're saying, you can really go too heavy with a rod in a kayak. Wouldn't you say? I think so. It's very a million, different. a million percent. And I, uh, I, I'll, sorry if I'm taking up more of this than I should be, but um, big yellow fin tuna in um, Panama. And this fish, I got it up within about 30 minutes. I actually have the picture on the wall right in front of me. And I go to gaff this fish. It just blows up, rips the, the, the gaff out of my hand. Now, this was about a 125-pound fish. It went straight down. It kicked my butt for two more hours. I mean, it just wore me out. And I was using, because I thought, you know, big tuna, I'm using a heavy tuna rod and the next time i went i brought a little bit shorter rod a little bit more parabolic much lighter rod brought the fight closer to my body because with that really stiff rod the fight was out here right so bring that fight in closer to my body and we were landing 100 pound yellowfin in 30 minutes wow and 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 sticking them getting them up on the boat and so, yeah, if, if you've got gear that's too heavy, it just beats you. I, and I honestly, I look at the guys like down at Los Busos and all the credit in the world, those guys, guys kill it. But sometimes I look at the gear and it's kind of the same with some, I see it with guys in Hawaii. They're using just massive reels. 
And it's like, that's just so much weight on your arms where I like said, I've landed a lot of Marlin on little tiny reels. They don't even get halfway into the spool on those reels. So why are you going so enormous on the gear? It's just tiring you out because the boat is dragged because the boat is going to get moving anyway. You don't need that huge line capacity. Now there are exceptions to that obviously, but for the most part, you're better off having a reel that you're is comfortable in your hand and you can manage fighting with than something that's just super heavy and has this massive amount of line capacity that you're never going to get into anyway. You know, I said, I've landed, I've landed Marlin on a, a Trinidad 12. I mean, that's a little reel. And if you, as long as, as you're using good quality stuff, like, you know, a Siegler reel with good smooth drags. And that's the key. It's just, it's, it's gotta be quality gear. It doesn't have to be big gear, smooth drags, yeah. powerful. That'll make enough drag. No, I think that goes there. for even the inshore stuff. I mean, Michael, you can probably attest to this. Like in the kayak number one, you're way more in the the elements than you are on a big boat or whatever. So your gear is going to get beat up naturally. So I, people sometimes have the mindset, well, I'm going to beat up my gear. So I want to buy cheaper gear um, if I'm going to beat it up in the kayak, but it's not going to last you and you're not going to enjoy the experience. So I go exactly. that way. I buy better gear. Yeah, and then it and then it can take the beating that we're going to give it to in the kayak. The other thing, and and this goes even technique specific. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. When you go buy a rod now, some of them have you know techniques written on them, and it's like you're buying this as the chatterbait rod or the spinnerbait <laughs> rod or this is whatever. Right. Uh, but that is so subjective to where you're throwing that bait, what vessel you're fishing off of, or how you're fishing it, and and what weight it is. And when you start really looking at the the class of rod whether it's you know medium heavy with a fast action or moderate action or whatever like it's way different in the kayak and that goes with line selection too and most people throw crankbaits on you know a monofilament or whatever so it's got the stretch and a more moderate rod well you can get away with throwing stuff on braid that you normally would think you might need to throw on monofilament because the kayak is moving you're not trying to bring the fish to you sometimes you're bringing the kayak to the fish and that's why you can also get fish up a lot quicker. And if you have a net, now they may be a lot greener when you get them close to the boat, which is probably what happened with that yellowfin. <laughs> you yeah. got it close to the boat, <laughs> stuck it, and it was green because you brought yourself to it. Um, well, that it's I, such a good point because I mean, I was when I was in um, I was in Costa Rica on the uh, east coast and fishing for tarpon, and the guides were just amazed at how much faster we were landing the tarpon in the kayak. Then the guys were from the boat. And if you think about it, if you're fighting it from a boat, all you've got all the weight of that boat. And the fish is fighting against yep. that. Where in the kayak, you literally are winding yourself to the fish. Yep. You know, unless it's in a straight down situation. But when it's out there, you're winding yourself to the fish. I mean, we had that with a black marlin. My buddy said within 20 minutes ago, it's a huge fish. because I can get this fish up next to my kayak anytime I want. Because the fish didn't even know he was there. It wasn't fighting him at all. It wasn't until we hooked him up to the camera boat because he had been on it for two hours and it wouldn't fight. And it was getting dark. We hooked him up to the camera boat. It had all that weight. The fish jumped three times and straightened the hook. You know, it is yeah. is so, so different. 
you know, the gear that you would have in a kayak. And people go, it's like, well, I, you know, you want a kayak fishing rod. I'm not a bigger believer in kayak fishing rods, it, but it is, it's situational, you know, and I don't no. believe you just need that heavy gear. I, no. I, I am a fan of higher speed reels specifically for that reason. Yes. Uh, what I've noticed in the, especially in the shore with lighter rods, you know, fishing for trout or redfish, um, you know, a heavy rod, you, you crank down on it and they get moving and the boats, the kayaks moving and the fish is moving and everything's going and you've got all the slack you're trying to get out of there. Uh, especially if you're on a drift. So I like the seven plus 7.2 plus speed reels. And I throw a lot of Shimano. Um, so I'm up, up, up at the 8.4s now and I found out my hookup ratios are better. I, I get land more fish with them. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the higher speed reels specifically because we're bringing the kayak to the fish. Um, and it, it, oh, I agree. Off. I agree. Yeah, it is I, different. I, and I think some of those things you learn over time and you have to trial and error. And I don't think I own a reel that's less than a seven, um, you know, two or whatever. Now, uh, most of mine are that or higher. Well, and, and, and I think not to interrupt, but I think what people also need to understand is gear ratio is gear ratio what you really want to know is line pickup you know how much line right. are you picking up on that seven because i've got a reel that is 6.5 which is slower than i want anyway but i i don't like it i mean it's it, because it is so slow because it's got a very small spool so yeah but i've got reels that are that exact same gear ratio that pick up a ton of line for crank you know, so it just depends. It's it's more important to know the line pickup rate than gear ratio. That's a good point. In my opinion. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I can, I can attest to, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I've had some instances with a 5.4 reel coming off a big boat. was using 5.4 reels to throw crankbaits and, you know, slower revolution, get it down a little bit deeper. Um, moving to a kayak, you know, throwing a chatterbait or something like that on a 5.4 reel is just asking for it because you can't keep up with the fish. Right. There's just no way, especially with the boat moving. It's just, it's a nightmare. Well, have you ever thrown like big poppers? Oh, yeah. In the kayak? I mean, you're throwing big poppers. You know, you're throwing a big popper and, <laughs> and you can't keep up. You can't make it work because, because the boat is, the, the resistance off that big popper is pulling the kayak. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you have to have that that high speed reel, otherwise you're not even going to be able to to work the lure at all. I really hope that's your wife. <laughs> that's just, I, I that's promise probably, you, it's probably not that, my wife. I bet that's James. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, it's Facebook user number three. Facebook user number one four two. That's funny. You know what? Since I met you though, Jameson. That that thing has gotten a lot lighter. Oh, it's over here. Yeah, this over it here. It's gotten a lot lighter. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a little one coming. This is my this is my four year old. And this is my six year old. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. This is, this, is, this is my thirty year old. Why does it start here and here, Jim? I mean, <laughs> give us younger guys a little insight. Why does it start patching in on the sides? It's weird. It's weird. Beard, beards are weird. But, uh, yeah, I don't know where he's going with that one, but <laughs> yeah, it just came out. I mean, I'm curious uh, who this is, but 
We'll find out later, maybe. Um, maybe when you get that text message. So, Michael, you guys, I, I, I think I knew yeah. that already. Um, and Jim, you have. I have done very little from a kayak. I've guided a little bit from. Uh, I had a cataract, like inflatable catamaran rig that I guided a little bit for a bit. Uh, probably done like just a handful of kayak trips, but what I will say is, uh, yeah, I, that's not a job that I want. <laughs> that is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot more work. I have I have a flat skiff as well. Um, Jim and I actually took it uh, to the Keys after awesome the, uh, boat. ICAST awesome and, boat. And had a really great time on it. And I think it would be so much easier to put clients on that boat and and take them out. But from a kayak standpoint, our friend Randy, who is a guide in the Keys, you know, just thinking about having him, even the way he thought about coming with us to guide us, he was like, oh, I don't need to bring a setup for both of you guys. We could have one setup on the boat and take turns or we can have, you know, a few baits like his mindset is so geared to every kayak having its own set of baits and its own set of rods and all that. And when we were all on the boat, he was just like, man, this is crazy. Like we just have like one eight weight cause we were fly fishing. It's like one eight weight, one nine weight, a few flies and we're taking turns, you know, and it's just a different, uh, and it's, I don't think, I don't know if anyone, I know the few trips that I took, I'll put it this way. The few trips that I took guiding from the kayak, uh, my tips were way smaller than the tips I got from the cataract, which was way easier. Like the work was way less. Um, and so I'm like, did they just think because it's a kayak, like I'm, I'm not as on the level of guide yeah. or whatever that a boat guide is, it's, uh, you know, but it's the amount of work you put in is, is way oh, more. The, 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 the stories <laughs> I could tell, the stories I could tell from years of guiding and it, it's, and it's funny because you show up and you're just going by a conversation you had on the phone with somebody. Yep. And, or or is it just back and forth? Yeah. And, you know, and, they and all of a sudden it's they, my, the, the they times that rotary, I... Rotary phones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even have email. Uh, but, you know, the, they would misrepresent their, their skill level. Um, you know, I had guys show up to show up down for a week long trip in Baja and they, Oh, we decided to drive down. Well, the reason they decided to drive down because these guys didn't fit in an airplane seat and they had never <laughs> been in a kayak and oh, they man. could not get out of their own way, but they represented themselves as being these healthy outdoors men and guys who had done all this and that. And it's like, Nope. Nope. And then I, I've had guys here. I, I had a guy um, probably one of the last years I was guiding a lot that came out, flipped over in the kelp beds, hatches open, doesn't know how to self-rescue. And he came to me as a very, very experienced kayak angler, he said, you know, but he did not know how to self-rescue. And wow. the fact that he flipped over with hatches open you know, the fact that he had hatches open when he was fumbling around is like, so it, it it's a lot of work. Yeah, like I said it, but I, a lot more rewarding stories, I will say. I mean, there was, there was so many great times and, and I always told people in all the years I guided, I mean, I could count, I used to say I could count on one hand. It's probably grown to both hands now. The amount of trips that were just what I would say were really, really hard, <laughs> you know, that were just 
and and it was usually because of stuff like that is misrepresenting their their abilities i intentionally on the boat it's a different story because on the, on the boat you're working you're it whether it's a, a live bait trip or it's an artificial trip you know you're you're rigged out for however many people you have on the boat and you know i always i always have bait caster setups on on the on the boat and then i watch who birds nest them and i say give me that back take this take this spinning rod you know uh but on the kayak side i intentionally take them places where if you go if you turtle stand up right you're in two feet of water right so we don't have that option here i know i know it's, it's a different animal here you know it's, it's like you know just stand up. We're we're gonna be okay. Uh, one of one of my really one of my good friends is also a guide down here, and it's a it's funny to watch him post stuff. He'll he'll say zero days since somebody rolled a kayak. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> the accident <laughs> reporting of, of uh, people going. I would get kayak. I'm like, I, this kayak is so stable. I can stand on one side of it. There's no way you can flip this boat, and they will figure out how to do it. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? Like I said, and we're in in deep water, so it's. I had a guy on a trip in uh, San Diego Bay because I actually got to the point where I stopped taking people offshore. If they told me they were a beginner, I'm a beginner. I've never kayak fished. I want to catch a thresher shark. I'm like, no, we're going to go bay bass fishing. So I, I started everybody in the bay and because it's nice and flat. You're not dealing with surf or swell or anything like that. And I had this guy. We paddled out. We'd been on the water about 15 minutes. And he starts rocking the kayak back and forth. This isn't as stable as the kayaks I've been on before. Flips the kayak, sends three of my rods to the bottom. It's like, so we spent the next three hours throwing treble hooks and just trying to snag my rods to get them back. I go, we're not fishing until we find these rods and, and did never find them. But it's like, <clears throat> really? <laughs> it's like, the things people will do will amaze you. Oh, yeah. I think, I think the flip side of that is, you know, when you do, take someone out kayaking or kayak fishing and and it, it can everything connects they, they get a fish whatever um and they land that fish and you just see like something click with that person and they're like yeah this 100 this is yeah me. like i said th there was definitely a lot more positives like that than yeah. negatives uh, unfortunately the negatives are a lot a lot of times are well, they're the ones you're gonna remember. more memorable. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna remember. You're gonna remember those because they they're gonna stand out. And I'll say that like that that inspiring. Like I mentioned this one, Chad. We were talking about the topic, and I'm gonna bring it up because I have to. But um, for me, this is a cool experience because uh, to be sitting on a podcast with Jim and knowing that when I started kayak fishing, I was just like trying to grab. And this is me. And my personality, like anything that I'm interested in, I just watch every video. I read every article. I try to absorb as much information. Even if I've heard it 10 times, I'll look for the next article and it drives my wife crazy. Um, and so when I first got into kayak fishing and thought about kayak fishing, I was like, where's the information at, right? Well, that was uh, Jim's show and uh, was out. And I think at the time, this was early on, I think it was you had those game on uh, DVDs that uh, the DVDs the came out came first. Out. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I saw one of those in a shop at a, a Grand Provision Company, which is where I uh, worked for a little while part time trying to get into the sport and brought one of those home, found the show was coming out, started DVR in it. So it's just a really cool uh, thing to be 
able to hang out and become really great friends with Jim and, and go from what led me to, to, to where I'm at in kayak fishing was realizing that, you know, it's not about just, yeah, I'm going to go get in a farm pond. Like that's why I got a kayak was to go get in a river or access something, small water or whatever. But then watching the show with Jim and then just learning from taking it out, you realize like kayak fishing can take you really anywhere. There is not, I don't think that there is a limit. If there is, I haven't seen it to what you can catch from a kayak or where you can take a kayak. And there is no other vessel. There is no other uh, boat, let's say, that can is as versatile as, as a sit-on-top kayak is. Like Jim's boat is not going to go on the flats that Michael and I's boat will be able to fish, right? But we can't take our boats offshore where Jim goes in his boat. Um, but with a kayak, we can literally access both those things. Now, we might not be able yep. to get there as fast or cover as much water. Um, but it's <laughs> just, you know, there's something really cool about that to me is – is that you can have this one boat that can really do it all. I mean, it, it, you know, if you want to do it, you can do it with a little bit of effort. Yeah, and, and you know, it's like people like, oh, you take a kayak that far offshore, you're in that big of water. And I'm not going to lie. I feel a lot more seaworthy and comfortable in my kayak a lot of times than I do in boats. You know, it's uh, kayaks are very, very seaworthy. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I feel very comfortable in that, you know, but, you know, there is the, the, the bottom line that we're always saying is like, but there is a learning curve, you know, if you're going to be a paddler, learn how to paddle, you know, learn how to paddle properly, <laughs> learn those safety things, learn how to get back on your damn boat. You know, it's like, you know, it's self-rescue. That's right. You know? Well, and we, we've all had that first day that we got in our, our brand new kayak and took it out for the first time and the wind blew and it blew. <laughs> And it blew, and we cussed that wind. first day. I'm looking for the last day. Like, when's the day? Yeah. When that doesn't <laughs> this is true. This when's is true. Not. That, that would be that would be Jameson. every one of that would be every one of my shoots. <laughs> the wind is blowing. That's what Michael Never. was probably thinking when we came down to do the road trip angler down his way. I mean, what was it blowing 45 miles an hour one day? It was like oh, so. So you know those flats that you know those flats we we launched at my first day mm-hmm. down there. Um. Dustin and I had fished a couple tournaments down there and it was blowing like that. And that cracking Jim turns into the wind and I'm standing up, burning a spoon across the flats and realizing I'm doing four miles an hour <laughs> standing in the kayak, just hauling across the flats because, you know, <laughs> just what did. Yeah. We started, I use a drift sock on those flats because we get out there. It's so windy. You throw a drift sock out and try to <laughs> slow the boat down. Yeah. The wind is not your friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think there's it can anything... be once you learn it a little bit. You know, you learn to use that wind as your trolling yeah, motor and set yourself up. And well, there's a there's a threshold. Though, I feel like yeah. you know, Well, and we've all seen your we've all seen the wind that comes with the Jameson Redding event. Yeah. Well, I thought it was Jim, but apparently it's both of us are camera. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I did. A, I was in Sweden. I did a Sweden trip, and we were trolling, and uh, trolling three rods. So you couldn't stop. Otherwise your lines were going to tangle and it was into the wind. So you definitely would have tangled because you drift backwards. And I paddled for six hours straight, nonstop, didn't get a bite. And my whole body cramped up and everything, but it it was one of those things. It's, you kind of get it in your head. And I, I actually enjoy paddling in the wind. Uh, I love paddling in lousy conditions, 
I hate fishing in it, but just, just <laughs> to go out and challenge yourself and to paddle in those kind of conditions in a good paddling boat like the Kraken um, was, it was just so much fun. I mean, you just, you just put your head down and just charge, you know, but we, you got to know how to paddle. <laughs> that's right. That's it. That's a, that is a, a skill set that you, that even with a wide stable boat that has a pedal drive, if something goes awry, you need to know how to paddle that thing back. Right. Yeah. You need to know how to paddle no matter what you're doing. Well, I, I hear the NAR paddles as well, right? The NAR paddle. I think it the does. NAR paddles really fast. I, I have a, I have a paddle. I, I pedaled it a little bit. I mean, bit, it's, I it's not a cracking for sure, but it's right, definitely right, right. A, a way more performance oriented hole, hole shape. Than say like our big rig was, or really even uh, I think the Kusa uh, actually the Kusa FD paddles pretty well. Um, yeah, but I would think it, I think the NAR is even more efficient than that. And I've had to paddle it. We were in Gunnersville uh, fishing, and we were trying to get to this way back creek that looked really good on the map. Um, didn't look as good when we got there, but I mean we were in super shallow water, and and anyone that's fished Gunnersville knows it's just loaded with grass. Um, so no pedal drive was getting back there in that shallow water. Like our bottom was almost touching the bottom plus grass all the way to the surface. So we had like two miles or so of paddling to do. And, you know, I was actually pleasantly surprised on that trip that I didn't feel uncomfortable paddling that boat at all, that whole, whole distance. Of course we got back there. I caught like one fish like this big, um, <laughs> spent the whole entire time trying to get back there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was nice when we got to where we could lower the drive and start pedaling again, for sure. It was nice to have that break. But I think, in, in, to your point, Michael, like it's almost it's almost more important when you're in a boat like that to know how to paddle than it is in a good paddling boat because you can get away with being an inefficient paddler in an efficient paddling boat. But when you're an inefficient paddler in an inefficient paddling boat, like – yeah, that's 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 a recipe for disaster and you're really going to be sore and hurting um at the end of the day plus you're probably gonna be racking your knuckles um but it comes down to just like we were talking about rods is also choosing the right paddle um for the boat that you're in and for the seat height and all that it's way more important than how tall you are um when choosing a paddle for kayak fishing is how wide is your boat and how tall is your seat and i think there's just an education factor that's missing in, in some aspects from kayak fishing in general. I remember Jim you used to have on your show, the kayak fishing uh, paddling tip of the week um, back in right. the day. I think Ken Whiting did a lot of them, but yep. uh, those are so valuable to me. Um, just learning a few basic uh, paddling strokes um, yeah, to like be able a, to maneuver and position the boat better. Knowing how to do a sculling draw or a draw stroke, yeah. anything like that. I mean, it, it makes yeah. a huge difference. I'm lucky that I got into paddling before kayak fishing. So I learned how to be a paddler and it, it, it makes a huge difference. And kind of to your point as well is, I mean, investing, if you're going to be a paddler, particularly if you are going to be a paddler, invest in a paddle, you know, that's your motor. That's going to be in your hand all day. So getting a good paddle, a good carbon fiber paddle, or at least a lightweight carbon fiber and fiberglass paddle uh, makes a huge difference. Like, you know, the, I use Warner, you use bending branches, you know, but invest in that because you get a paddle where the blade is just like, it goes through the water and just flexes, you know, it, the transference <laughs> of energy is terrible. The paddles that come with Hobies are terrible. 
you know, you go try to paddle one of their boats, the, the, the blade just flexes backwards. So not only are you trying to push a big boat, you're doing it with a terrible mechanism. So having yeah. a good paddle to push that boat, but if you're going to be paddling all day, because it's not even just about paddling today, it's I want to paddle tomorrow too, you know, and, and putting out less energy uh, and wearing yourself out less uh, makes a huge difference in, in investing in that good paddle. Yes, they're expensive. You know, a good my my paddles are like five hundred bucks, but sure. guarantee you, I have a lot more money in rods and reels sitting behind me. But the paddles in my hand more. So, right. Two things yeah. you never never cheap out on are your paddle or your PFD. Yeah. Great whatever it takes to to be comfortable and efficient with. Well, so. and that that can too testimony to when you go out and you're buying that first kayak or you're looking for kayak knowledge is to hit up a genuine paddle sports shop and don't believe everything you read on a Facebook group or the internet or the different things like that. Um, it's very important to hit a dealership, uh, regardless of whatever type of boat it is, get in there and get some paddle sports knowledge from the guys that well, uh, got their feet on the floor. Paddling, paddling classes are very cheap as well. Mm -hmm. all over the yes. yeah. And it's, well, and, you know, as a guide, I feel like, if you're thinking about getting into kayak fishing and you have a kayak fishing guide in your area and that right there, I mean, not only are you getting to go out and learn about your area and fishing, but you're also going to learn things about kayaking. So, I mean, like there's a lot of value in, in doing that as well. Um, are you timing me I, out? <laughs> I will just say, and you know, I, I prided myself on being a very good paddler. Um, there's, some kayak fishing guides, some well-known kayak fishermen who honestly are terrible paddlers. And I've watched them paddle. I've watched them teach people how to paddle. They're not good paddlers. So because you're a good kayak fishing guide, I mean, I would hope you're a good paddler as well, but they tend to lean more towards the fishing aspect. So going to a shop, like I've got a shop here in San Diego that is a paddle shop. It's, it's all about touring boats and all that aca certified paddling instructors you know yeah. they are going to give you better paddling instruction yeah. i feel for the most no part. that's that's uh, for sure you know because you, you with kayak fishing guides a lot of them and i'm not gonna say all because there are some great paddlers also but um there are some guides out there who aren't that's not their focus it's to, yeah. i used to do a, a surf safety and paddle skills class so as to teach people the, the safety aspects, how to launch and land through the surf and the paddling aspects. Because like I said, I was lucky. I started out learning how to paddle from exceptional paddlers, um, but not everybody is that. So like I said, it, it, it makes a huge difference. And I, I try to emphasize it, all, emphasize it all the time is it really does make a huge difference knowing how to paddle properly. It's And it's not rocket science, obviously, because I can do it, but there's just that little bit of technique, learning to use the torso rotation, learning to use your whole body, your legs, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. So if you're watching this and, and you're thinking about being a paddler, learn how to paddle properly. And I think that's one of the reasons pedal boats are so popular because there's no skill. Honestly, I mean, you jump onto a pedal boat and you pedal. I mean, if you know how to pedal a bike, you pedal. It's not, there's no learning curve there. I mean, I hope you learn some safety skills and paddling knowledge anyway, but 
you can just get in there and do this with your legs where there is, yeah. like I said, it's not huge, but there is a certain amount of technique involved in paddling properly. Well, and that paddle can still, even with the pedals, that paddle can save you in a situation. Oh, yeah. for sure. Well, you Life may period. get in water where you, you're not able to get deep enough or you may, it's, they're mechanical, right? There's a, yeah. there's a failure aspect there, no matter how durable it is. I mean, you know, you may hit something, break a prop, whatever. I mean, it, in my, you you're required, have... I think you're required by the Coast Guard to carry some type of paddle on, on a motorized boat. Now, what good you're going to do with it in, in some most motorized bigger boats, I have no idea. But, you know, like you should have one. And I've seen it come in handy on, you know, especially on the flat skiff because you can't actually move the boat, you know. Um, and so there's there is an aspect, again, of education. I mean. And you were talking about a, a good shop the, the, the earlier. I think a good, like, if you're like a bow hunter, for example, um, I dabble in bow hunting. I like to bow hunt. Um, I enjoy shooting my bow. I wouldn't, I'm not going to go to a big box store to get my knowledge about what bow and what arrows are supposed to be shot because I mean, there's a level of safety there. You put the wrong arrow with the wrong, you know, bow and poundage and, and speed, you're going to end up with a busted arrow or messed up limbs on your bow or whatever. Like, so you go somewhere that you're going to trust the person telling you, you know, Hey, this is the right setup for you. I've set it up to your drawing. Uh, we paper tuned this bow. We picked out the right arrows and these are the right broadheads or the weights that you should be shooting with this setup. And all that knowledge is valuable. And you're going to get that at that specialty shop. And the same thing goes with kayaks. I mean, you know, getting that, that knowledge and, and educating yourself that not just from a fishing standpoint and anglers we're all notorious for this. Like we want to learn, you know, what's the next best bait, what's the next best technique or how to fish, how to catch that fish. And you forget about the fact that how you're getting to those areas and, and how you're maneuvering your boat or how you're controlling your boat. If you're on a big boat and you got a trolling motor, you got to learn how to use that trolling motor to position that boat properly. If you got electronics, you need to learn how to read your electronics, right? To be able to utilize them. What's the point having a $3,000 fish finder if you don't know how to, you know, use the different functions that it has. And it's the same thing with kayaks, whether it's pedal or paddle, you really need to understand how to utilize that vessel uh, and how to be safe in that vessel in case it does, you know, go the wrong way. But that goes all the way down to how you dress, the you know, the clothes that you're wearing when you're out on the water in a kayak. Uh, I mean, everything about it, you really need to think about and you extend your period on the water and your, your experience is better on the water. Um, and then you're not thinking about, man, I'm freezing to death or I'm whatever, like you're concentrating on, on fishing instead of thinking about how uncomfortable you are. Or Yeah. I, that's, that's, that's big Jameson. I don't think enough people think about the clothing and it is such a huge, huge aspect of wearing the right clothing when you're on the water, particularly as we get into these colder months, you know, I, I see guys out there wearing Levi's and, and boots and a big, you know, Pendleton or whatever, or a hoodie and, and just wearing all the wrong stuff and no PFD, of course, you know, but having the right clothing, just not just, I mean, it's really a safety thing, but just comfort wise, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, you're wearing a cotton sweatshirt and it gets wet. It's wet. It's staying wet. You know, it, get the right stuff that it wicks away the moisture and it dries quickly. It It's going to in, in, increase your enjoyment on the water. But while it's doing sure. that, it's also making you a lot safer. 
Well, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when something happens. So um, that's huge. That's, that's big. And there, there you go with your float plans and making sure you have a way of contacting somebody. Um, you know, I, I, I can, I can tell you that I, I've been stuck in a marsh where the water drained out and you know, come back out and go, Oh crap. I've got like 200 yards dragged this kayak to float. That's a terrible feeling. That mud is waist deep, you know, and and you do that once and you learn a whole lot of skill sets about stuff like that and what not to do again. Right. But really, I think the responsibility was responsibly as anglers and as, you know, team members and as stewards of, you know, the kayak fishing industry, that's the information we need to be able to share with people coming up through the ranks, because if you can stop somebody from having a bad day like that, just by sharing some knowledge, that's a, that's a big thing. And, you know, doing it with the guide thing and doing it with writing and, and doing it with talking to people at these shops and, and getting involved is, is, yeah, that's what we do. And, and, and it's not a matter of just that it, it's, as I always said, it, it, for people who are trying to set themselves up in a position where people are looking up to them or trying to take advice from them. Well, if you're doing that also set yourself self up as an example. You know, I, I'm you'll never see me on the water, although I, there are pictures of me out there from the early days um, of me not wearing a PFD. But I mean, that's never happens anymore, you know, and, and hasn't for many, many, many years. You know, it's just and it's probably the, it's it's the guys who least likely need it, you know, are the ones who should be wearing it again just to be setting an example for those who are looking up to you uh, or looking at you for instruction or guidance. Because like I said, you see these, these guys in certain areas and they're, you know, they're young strapping guys and they're bulletproof, you know, and, but I mean, let's face it, guys die doing this sport every year. No. And, well, and, and, and I think they're case, bulletproof, you know, he's in two, like he said earlier, you're in two feet of water sometimes, but sometimes you're in mud. Sometimes you're crossing a channel and, the thing is, like when you're posting pictures or videos or whatever out there, no one knows how deep the water is where you're at. You know, like you said, Jim, you're setting right. an example. And I know we've kind of hijacked this, Chad. You got three very passionate people about no, about this is this is and, good and, knowledge, and learning the sport. Um, so we kind of moved talk. away from from fishing talk nope. into this things that we're all talk. obviously passionate about. So this is fishing talk, as we especially as we're heading into into fall and the temperatures are dropping everywhere. This is, this is the kind of information that I think is important for people, yeah. um, especially new people coming into the sport. You know, if they stumble across this and find it and, you know, they listen to the whole thing, then they're going to, they're going to walk away with a little bit of education. I think, yeah. you know, for us at Jackson kayak and this doc talk thing, and that's what we want. Uh, that's what we want the show to be, whether it's fishing, uh, paddling education, um, you know, it's, it's a plethora of knowledge from a plethora <laughs> of individuals. Yeah. Well, I, I just know for me, if I look back at my short career so far in kayak fishing, um, the things that have been the most impactful have been not, not the fit learning more about the, the fishing techniques, right? Like they've been impactful. I've caught more fish and became a better fisherman, but the things that have been really impactful that have made me a better fisherman. If I really think about it, a lot of them have to do with being able to maneuver my boat properly or maintain my boat position. 
that's huge when it comes. And that doesn't matter if you're in a big boat or a small boat or a kayak, a canoe, whatever. Boat position is probably one of the biggest things when it comes to catching fish. Because if you're not in the right place and, and casting in the right area, then you're not catching fish. Like you got to be able to maintain boat position. And, and just being safe and comfortable, like knowing that I have the confidence in my gear to keep me dry or keep me cool when it's hot and warm when it's cold and safe when I'm out on the water. Um, those are the things that have really like been the most impactful, you know, over the last decade or so of kayak fishing for me, more so than, you know, learning how to tie a uni knot versus an Albright, right? Like I... I'm going to catch fish on a uni knot. I'm going to catch fish on an Albright knot. Like that really isn't going to change whether or not I catch fish. You know, it might right. affect my confidence or it might affect like I might have not tied one of those correctly and lose a fish. Um, but that really doesn't affect me or, you know, think about baits. I think about my progression in baits and I throw way different baits than I did back then. Back then it was all Cinco, all finesse fishing. Now it's all power fishing. Um, but those Cinco's and stuff didn't quit working. I just changed because I wanted to change. But what's not changed is a PFD that fits, a paddle that is the right size and is the right material, having the right boat for the right conditions. Not every kayak is made for going down a river that has rapids. Not every kayak is made perfect for offshore. But, you know, finding that balance of where I'm, I'm using that boat and the right boat for it, those are the things that are way more impactful, I think from a kayak fishing standpoint, you know, um, one of the words, I mean, kayak is, is the first word in the sport, right? It's kayak fishing. So if you ain't got that part down, then, you know, it's going to be hard to really like dial in the rest of your game. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I've, I've said this from, for, for many, many years, it's just that, you know, it, it's kayak anglers are anglers first and kayakers second. And yeah. if they would, try to increase that kayak level a little bit um they're again they're gonna it's not it they're gonna increase their enjoyment because they're going to be more comfortable you know just like as learning how to paddle because i can now go farther and get back you know without being worn out uh you know it, it's knowing that if i do have a situation you know i've got a vhf radio on my chest you know i've got um, my PLB on my, uh, PFD. Um, you know, I'm always wearing the PFD. I'm wearing the right clothes. If I do go in the water, you know, um, I've rescued a lot of guys over the years, you know, and a lot of them, again, we're not wearing PFDs, not wearing the right clothes. Um, didn't know how to self-rescue. Like I said, didn't have a bilge pump on their boat. Um, I've rescued a lot of guys with flooded boats, you know, and it, it's it's usually not boat failure. It's something they did wrong. You know, like I said, flipping with a hatch open, um, you know, just different stuff. But it will increase your comfort. If I've got 100% confidence in my gear and 100% confidence in my boat and the way it's rigged and 100% confidence in my skill level, I'm so much more comfortable when I'm three, four, five miles offshore and a little bit of wind comes up. It's like, okay, well, so man, socks, but I got to paddle back in the wind. You know, it's, um, I don't know if I'll ever be pre prepared for when the fog rolls in. Cause there's something mindset sucks. wise. I don't care if you're in two feet yeah. of water 
and, and you, you know the land is right there. When fog rolls in, it does something to my mind where I'm just like, all right, I'm all yeah. short now. Even the best you. GPS, it messes with yeah. you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die right now. Like, I'm going to tell two quick <laughs> fog stories. And I know I keep kind of in, jumping in on stuff, but just because I've been doing it so long. So my two quick fog stories. One, out trolling out off La Jolla, probably four or five miles off the beach. And I just happened to stumble across some dude in the dense fog. And he's like, Jim, beach is that way, right? And I'm like, well, I'm sure there is a beach that way in, <laughs> on Hawaii. <laughs> but he literally, because it was a flat, calm day and foggy, he had no idea north, south, east, west. That'd be me. I'd and be and I, had, I had a GPS. And this was in the early days when I literally had one of these handheld Garmin GPSs. But because I've I've always been super safe safety focused, um, I just I had one. My other fog story, and this is um, I'm on my boat, and I'm cruising around La Jolla, where I know there's a lot of kayak fishermen, and it, the fog rolls in, and we've got three sets of eyes on the horizon, and I'm creeping because I know where we are, and I know there might be kayakers around, and all of a sudden these three kayakers come out of the fog like 20 feet off my bow, all on gray kayaks, wearing black clothing and not a single one of them had a headlight a, or a PFD, anything bright on them at all. And that's when I really learned how invisible we are on the water. Absolutely. You add a little, you add a little bit of swell to that and you're down in a trough. You are a hundred percent invisible. So Guys, you know, make yourself visible. You know, when the fog is the worst, but even on any day, make yourself visible. Probably the most uncomfortable I've ever been in the fog was actually waiting 200 yards away from the boat. And, you know, I'm throwing a seven-foot rod, and I can't see past the end of the rod tip. And you hear a boat motor coming in, and you're like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, um, we're going to see what happens, you you know. That's an eerie feeling. I've had that when they kind of had a boat yeah. motor coming through the fog, and you're like, I hope he's a little further out than he sounds like. He's. Right. Well, we've <laughs> all seen, full we've stuff. all, we've all full yeah, stuff. we've all seen the videos of guys having too close of interaction with boats on mm-hmm. their kayaks on perfectly clear days. Right. You know, you throw fog, fog into that, man, and it is just brutal. So it's interesting, and I know we're—I don't know what, how long you have uh, scheduled here, Chad. But the, you just the flag uh, you over, guys just go. <laughs> the flag over your shoulder there, Jim, and the picture on the back of your kayak. I had a conversation with the shop manager at GOPC, who is—he's a, a touring kayaker. He, he loves to travel and go tour. He knows how to kayak oh very God. well. There you go. Um, <laughs> other side, yeah. Um, and he in the busy car room was a was a. Uh, an item that we sold there. And he's like, I just don't get this. This is wind resistance. I would never want this on my touring kayak. It's just going to slow me down. I want to cover distance. And I go, think about it though, for a second, kayak anglers go out to a spot where they want to fish. They stop paddling. And now the only thing they're just sitting still. And typically those spots are on points of lakes or in Creek mouths or something where boats are probably running around 
wide open and, and we're not we're not our paddles not up in the air our paddle blade which is why you see a lot of brighter paddle blades why i like a brighter paddle blade because that will be the most visible thing usually when you're out there and you see kayaks um it'll be that paddle blade going up and down um or even like your clothing you know you wear brighter stuff i mean but that flag is is bright it's orange and you know having a light that you can leave on on, on low light because we're usually going to fish till dark or we're going to get out there right at the you know, cusp of daylight. And in some cases you're required to have a 360 degree light, even on a kayak anyway. And I think Dustin made a comment there um, in the comments about that. Um, but the, that piece of gear, um, while it may look we like, why would you want that? Right. It's you're slowing yourself down. It's wind resistance, more gear to take. That will be, be the thing that allows you to see each other. I know when we're out filming, uh, the TV shows. And when I've been with you, Jim, filming, like, it's kind of how you keep track of each other. You're like, well, there's this flag. He's over there. It makes it'll it be the so first much thing easier. you see. Yeah. It makes it so and, much. Uh, I was, I was actually very surprised at how, what a difference it makes in, in seeing somebody and what, and for people who are like, you know, they don't like it flapping around and I've actually had it catch hooks and stuff. If you take that, that thing is a pouch. If you're doing it during the day, that thing's a pouch. So just slide it over the top of the busy carbon. So it's this way instead of sideways as a flag. You still have that bright orange thing up there, but it's not flapping and catching wind and driving you crazy. So that's what I tend to do um, on uh, daylight trips. Um, but I, I have that thing on a lot. And uh, it definitely, like I said, when we've been on, on shoots and you're looking for the guys you're fishing with, it makes it a lot easier and it, it, makes, it makes you much, much easier to spot. Yeah, yeah, I believe, simple uh, thing, but it makes sense. I believe power pole even has a flag that will attach to the uh, micro anchors now on the. Uh, they do. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's yak attacks, the head of the, the, the light and the flag part of the busy carbon. They yep. made it for power pole and it, power it pole. attaches on a quarter 20. Uh, thread there so that's like way up in the air i mean that's at the top you know obviously the top oh yeah eight foot power pole but um down here in the marsh if you think about fishing a marsh system you know on a kayak you're at water level and that kayak that the grass covers you up and we fish plenty of tournaments with two three guys where you're 20 yards away from somebody and you have no idea they're there because the grass is high enough that it's covered right. going out so having the flag up higher or having even one of the things I do if we're the guide wise thing of doing is I crank my popping cork all the way up to the top of the rod so that I have this bright pink or bright yellow thing seven feet off the top of the kayak so that they can see where I am. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you how many times my camp in Louisiana where I've seen a boat go by and all you see is the, is the power pole. Like sticking up, you know, it's like because the grass, like you're talking about, where you're just like, where's everybody at? Yeah, and and you watch some of these these videos of guys just ripping through channels and stuff in in a skiff or uh, an airboat or whatever, and it's like they're going to be on you quick. So, you know, so anything that can help you. That airboat comment, I was thrown out of my kayak a couple of years ago in the marsh. Uh, it was duck season. I would had you know i ran the the 403 i was six miles out in the marsh and uh, i heard that airboat fire up and i went oh no like i'm in an eight foot wide slough and he's real close and he came around the turn and he saw me and i had already moved to the bank and uh he went up on the grass and went the wake and everything threw me 
right out of my kayak up onto the grass. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't go swimming, but I went up into the grass and he circled around to find me to make sure I was okay. And uh, when he shut down next to me, he was like, holy shit. I mean, I've, I've never seen a kayaker back here, you, you know? And I'm like, we're all over the place. Right. <laughs> I mean, literally we're all over the place. And, and look, to Jim's point about not, not seeing until you're on top of another kayaker when you're in the boat, that perspective, you have to understand that as a kayaker yeah. and, and know what kind of situation you're putting yourself into. Uh, Always assume you're not seen. Correct. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to that guy, like, I mean, the airboats, why would he not be flying through there? He probably knows it like the back of his hand. And a lot of times on the flats, I mean, you know, this Texas is known for this. You come off step. You, that's where you stay. Like you, that's you right. get on plane and you, you got to stay on plane, you know, to make it off that flat or, you know, Absolutely. Or have it, right. have it. Cause right. you're not getting back up once you come off. And, um, and it's the same thing in Louisiana. I've been down there at my camp and the wind blow hard out of one direction for a day. And then there's no water left. And you look down in a place that you normally have water and you're like, well, if I stop now, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of the day. And so wait, wait, have, the wind, the wind blows in Louisiana. Yeah, I think it blows everywhere. That we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Every time I've been. Yeah. We still caught fish though. Can't say still the, one of the cooler fish. places I've been. I mean, it, if you haven't been there down there, guys, you know, get down to pack. It is a, an amazing destination. That that's that's for sure. I would yeah, love I to get it. love to get back. If they stop getting hit by hurricanes all the time, that'd be awesome. Hurricane Jameson. I'll <laughs> <laughs> bring it. Oh man. Let's see here. Well, guys, you guys, uh, we've been an hour and 17 minutes and counting, so I guess I'll let you guys go if you want to. If you want to keep going, we'll keep going. But um, so big thing, Doc Talk. You guys have uh, you guys are taking the Doc Talk challenge. Tell everybody where to find you on social media, and thank the sponsorship people that you want to thank. And shout out to whoever. Go, go, Mike. <laughs> uh, uh, well. Uh, you can find me on Instagram there at Matt Fiorenza or the guide service at Shallow Works, uh, uh, W-O-R-X. Um, and big thanks to Jackson Kayak, obviously, uh, being on the team and being with everybody and learning from everybody and being part of the JK family is huge. Um, Anglers Anonymous here in Texas and Fish Hide Sportswear, Salty Dog Hat Company, um, you know, Red Tail Optics, uh, you know, we're, we're – we had a lot of fun with all of these Caden lures as well as one of my lure sponsors. Um, and, and it's been a blast. Super fun. Yeah. Jameson. Uh, well, you find me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we up. Let me get my pad out. No. <laughs> you, guys, right. you guys comfortable? No, there are some. I just start looking around my room. <laughs> you guys just play, play, play some music at first talk too long here but uh no uh definitely find me at, uh, at jack jameson redding on instagram so it's really complicated jameson redding or jameson redding fishing on facebook <laughs> <laughs> the new youtube <laughs> channel is just launched and that's the road trip angler so you gotta find that and then yeah sponsors there's a giant list of great companies that that have helped me obviously jackson's been the biggest part of this uh uh entire 
lifestyle change that I made about 10 years ago or whatever. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so many branches, NRS, um, Seaguar, Jim and I both love throwing the Seaguar. Um, systems has come on board. Um, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on of great companies that have been, been blessed, honestly, um, with great support. So if I didn't name you, don't get mad. I'm just trying to give Jim all the hour and a half long that he needs. To, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a show. Yak Attack. We can't sponsor. not think Yak Attack. Yak Attack has been a great sponsor. Yak Attack. They're one of the so oldest many. ones. Dallas Point. Now, that's one I don't have. And if anyone's listening out there, when I say anyone, if anyone's listening out there, um, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> Well, I am not only plugging uh, Ballast Point, but also my Padres, who have made it into the postseason. Yes. Which they haven't done in a long time. So Welcome to October that. baseball. Yeah. I am not super confident, but <laughs> fingers crossed. So uh, you can find me at the Kayak Fishing Show with Jim Sammons on Facebook. I have no idea what I am on Instagram. Kayak Fishing Show. You're the Kayak Fishing Show. I know. The Kayak Fishing Show. <laughs> Uh, I tagged you the other day. Gosh. I, uh, uh, Kayak Fishing Tales on YouTube uh, has hundreds of videos, a lot of episodes of the show, all that stuff. Most um, of them are in black and white. but Yeah. <laughs> Silent. <laughs> they have no sound. They do yeah. back in the silent movie days. Miming fish catches. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's where you can find me, of course. Uh, great sponsors like Jackson Kayak, uh, Seagar, Seagler Reels, you know, which is an awesome made in America company and great people, which is as important as anything. Uh, like I said, Yak Attack, Nakwa, Maui Gym Sunglasses, uh, you know, all these companies have been with me for a very long time. Probably one of my oldest sponsors, Standard Horizon, uh, VHF Radios, um, Ray Marine. Um, you know, my electronics and they've been really good to me. So a lot you of great really are looking around the room right now. Like, <laughs> I do. I, I literally like, um, I've always got something laying here. It's like, Oh, let's see. Uh, here's my Nakwa battery. Uh, Just set them all up on the desk. So yeah. you can remember. We'll go back to my similar reel. Yeah. There's so many great companies that have supported the sport of kayak fishing. I think, I think it's really cool to see now, um, you know, we were at ICAST this year, Jim, and you look back like six, seven years ago, you didn't really see kayak fishing that much as far as being represented at ICAST, but now you can't walk around the show and not see a picture of a guy on a kayak fishing right. or a video that has a kayak fisherman nope. in it. Or and any of kayak, fish, kayak fishing in their catalogs. Yeah, it's uh, a... I mean, I literally can't, I can go back to, and obviously again, because I'm old, um, when I was with Ocean Kayak, Johnson Outdoors, Johnson Outdoors was at ICAST <coughs> for Minn Kota and whatever, Humminbird, Humminbird and all that. And we could not get them to put a kayak in the booth. And it's like, you know, kayak fishing was just really getting going. They sold Ocean Kayak. Ocean Kayak was a Johnson Outdoors brand, and they wouldn't put a uh, a kayak in the booth, and there was no kayaks at the show. And you know, you fast forward to now, and there's a lot of kayaks at the show. A lot of kayaks <laughs> that shouldn't be at the show. 
but there is a <laughs> lot of kayaks at the show and uh, a lot of companies geared, you know, on the periphery, uh, making the, the accessories and the stuff that they're trying to gear towards kayak fishing. Some that make sense, some that don't. Well, and, and shout out to a the lot of cool stuff. Believed in it since you know the beginning, uh, even down to the paddle sports brands like like branches or um, NRS that you know has specifically made stuff for you know the kayak angler, not just you know. Um, I know in some cases it may be as simple as putting a tape measure on the paddle. Man, how many times have I used that tape measure on my branch? Right. Paddle? Like it's just. You know the fact that they're thinking about us, and and so I have to say, you know, appreciate that from not just the personal support, but the brands that have supported the industry that have helped. Yeah, the industry in general is it, it's it's been amazing, and it's it's grown so much, you know, and that's what what's made it as a, able to do this. Um, how the sport has grown to now, they're they're really you know back in the day there was you know there was this kayak and there was that kayak, and now there literally is a kayak for everybody. You know, there's, there's not too many people you can say, I can't find a kayak that's going to work for you. You know, there, there's a kayak for everybody and for every application and different types of water. And, and that's one of the things that's super cool of how this sport has grown over the years. For sure. Absolutely. Are <laughs> you done, Jim? Doc, doc, doc. Shut doc, up. Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hey, folks, I, that... hey, I got a couple of beers. <laughs> Jim, you're welcome back anytime you want to come. We enjoyed having you on Doc Talk. Same to you, Michael. Jameson, as always. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks super, for being here, Jameson. Fun. Super fun. Uh, yeah, it was super fun. You guys, uh, you guys were a great, uh, great show. I think everybody learned a lot, and it's educational. And now you guys know what Doc Talk really is. Hey, maybe we'll come back we're on and actually happy. talk about fishing next time. No, it don't matter. We can come. We can. We can come on and talk about Mr. Pickle. I don't care. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but that's uh, going to be taken really out of. Yeah, you, when you, you guys really yeah. have to ask us really Ask yeah. Easy. Email email Jim and ask Jim if you want to know more about that topic. It's actually um, Jim's OnlyFans account. If you guys are wondering, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't run those across the bottom. But if you guys are looking for a brand new Jackson kayak, um, check out your local dealership. A lot of them are running 15% off right now. And if you need to know where you find your local dealer, jacksonkayak.com. Um, also on that note, this whole thing is Orion Podcast Network. We're network now. We've got two whole shows. It's huge. It's huge. It's, it's blowing up. It's blowing up. Um, my mom listens. Um so yeah, price drop on Orion coolers. If you guys are in the market for an Orion cooler, check us out, jacksonkayak.com again. Um, we're cheaper than the Yetis. So there's that. Best cooler you can and ever bigger. have. Bigger. True quartz. True quartz. Cooler accessories. Anyway, that's Doc Talk. Awesome. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>